In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Why does St. Luke record Jesus appearing in Emmaus? Why does he detail this particular post-resurrection appearance? This question gave me pause. It's a wonderful story, of course, and it beautifully testifies to the resurrection of Christ. But St. Luke could have recorded other accounts in its place. Jesus made at least one other appearance earlier that day and to a more prominent disciple. Interestingly, St. Luke does not detail Jesus' appearance to St. Peter, the very rock on which Christ builds his church. When Cleopas and his travel mate returned to Jerusalem late that evening, electrified by their encounter with Christ, they find Jesus' core disciples gathered. Those gathered exclaim, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Why doesn't Luke record Christ's appearance to Simon Peter? Why does he tell the account of two little-known disciples? If the Holy Spirit inspires Luke to give priority to Christ's Emmaus appearance— over his revelation to St. Peter, then it must be because of the way Jesus appears and not whom he appears to. What's important is how he reveals himself. Their eyes, we read, are kept from recognizing Jesus until they sit for a meal in verse 30. When it came to pass... As he sat at meat with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Jesus chooses this precise moment to reveal his presence. Many of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances involve a meal, but not like the one in Emmaus. In the passage immediately following ours, the resurrected Christ proves his bodily existence to his terrified disciples by eating a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb. Elsewhere, St. John records the moving account of the risen Christ appearing to his disciples as the sun rose over the shores of Galilee. He tells how Jesus cooks them fish on a charcoal fire. I find this to be the most beautiful image in all of Scripture. These appearances are very much in line with Jesus' earthly mission. A good portion of his ministry unfolds around a table at mealtime. It could even be said that Jesus' ministry is one long wedding feast, celebrating the arrival of the bridegroom, the incarnate Son of God. After all, 
How can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? His first miracle, we remember, occurs at a wedding in Cana, where he turns water into wine and saves a poor family from social embarrassment. He dines with the 5,000 on the green grass as they enjoy a miraculous meal. He eats with Mary and Martha and later Zacchaeus. He dines with tax collectors and sinners and the religious elites. And on the night before his crucifixion, he distributes his body and blood to his disciples in the upper room. Jesus' ministry continually points to the great wedding feast at the end of time, when we shall all gather and celebrate together the marriage between heaven and earth. There is a lot of feasting in the Gospels, but Emmaus stands out. Jesus again points to this great celebration, but he also gives the disciples a tangible foretaste of the heavenly banquet, here and now. He reveals how they must sustain themselves on their journey by feasting on his body, the bread of life. As the Israelites feast on the heavenly manna as they wander the wilderness, yearning for the promised land, so the followers of Christ feast on his body as they anticipate the heavenly banquet and the new exodus. As the Israelites placed a jar of manna in the holy tabernacle, so we in the Eucharist take Christ's presence inside the temple of our bodies. Today we honor Jesus' presence in the holy Eucharist. We celebrate the one who did manifest himself to his disciples in the breaking of the bread, as we prayed in our collect. We petition him in the words of the prayer book, Be present, be present, O Jesus, our great high priest, as you were present with your disciples, and be known to us in the breaking of the bread. What a horrible Sunday to be a part. A Sunday when we again recall the unique way Christ chose to be present among us. A Sunday when we, the body of Christ, cannot feast on the body of Christ. Although we confidently affirm Christ's presence in the Eucharist, he's not only present in the Eucharist. As St. Luke tells us, Jesus walks alongside his disciples on the way to Emmaus. St. Augustine cleverly observes, Jesus was walking with them along the way, and he himself was the way. In times like these, it's important to remind ourselves that God is always present with us. Christ is always beside us, even in the most difficult circumstances. As the disciples walked to Emmaus, they couldn't be in a more depressing situation. To say they're dejected is an understatement. In their minds, they had given up everything to follow a false Messiah who had been utterly discredited by crucifixion. They saw their leader hanging naked from a tree. 
They left their families and friends, their jobs, and they followed the wrong man. They had proclaimed a kingdom that would not come. There's nothing more difficult than realizing you have committed your life to a lie and lost everything in the process. As they walk, they confess to Jesus, we had hoped he was the one. Their faith was gone, their hopes dashed, but Christ walks by their side. St. Augustine writes, They had lost faith, lost hope. They were walking along dead with Christ alive. They were walking along dead with life itself. Life was walking along with them. If you are among those whose lives have been upended by this virus, if you have lost your job or become sick or watched everything you worked for evaporate, if you're someone that lives in constant anxiety and worry, take heart and know Christ walks beside you even when things seem utterly hopeless. Nothing, St. Paul tells us, can separate us from the loving presence of Christ, not even death. As he travels with the disciples in the midst of their hopelessness, doubt, and sorrow, so he walks with us in our struggles. But we, like the disciples, are often blind to his presence and fail to acknowledge that life itself walks by our side. So what do we do in times like these, when Christ and the Church feel distant and we cannot fully participate in the breaking of the bread. We follow the disciples and search for Christ's presence in Scripture. Reading Scripture can open our eyes to the one who walks beside us. Verse 27 reads, And beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them in all the Scriptures, the things concerning himself. Christ did not show up in Emmaus, break bread, and then jet off to his next appearance. Rather, he walks with his disciples and uses scripture to inflame their hearts and minds to see him in the breaking of the bread. Scripture prepares them for the feast, prepares them to see him. Similarly, every Sunday, the liturgy of the Word precedes the liturgy of the Eucharist. We read Scripture before we receive communion. And although we cannot come to the altar to receive communion, we can certainly encounter Christ in Scripture. In the coming weeks, I encourage you to search out Christ in Scripture and gain a better understanding of the one who walks beside you and will never leave. Your absence, use your absence from church as a time of spiritual preparation. Punctuate your days with Scripture and prayer so when we come back together, we can all say together, We're not our hearts burning within us.
Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.